ladies and gentlemen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Steve's Video Store. This is the latest we've done a makeup episode for because I've checked and it's been about two fucking the three years, two freaking three years since we've done 1984 and promised 1983. We old, we slow, but we keep our promises. Right, Carl? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, most of you have forgotten, but now we're here to remind you. Yeah. But before I begin, Carl, I've seen the best movie of the, well, for me, the best movie of the year so far last night, and that is Sisu. Yeah, and the best you told way me about to it. 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 Go, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say you told me about it, and now it's on my list, and I'm going to rent it before I go on vacation. And the best way to describe Sisu is the definition of the word. It's an untrib—it's an untranslatable Finnish word that means basically going as far as you can and never giving up. Reading a book until your eyes hurt, like doing 200 push-ups and jumping up, smacking your hand and go down and do 150 more. That is Sisu. And this yeah. is basically about this old man who is a gold miner, a gold miner, and he hits this amazing pine. And then he runs into some Nazis. And to their bad luck, they decide to try to rob him. And that is a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's one of those, if you love balls-to-the-wall action or you love the rare exports or big games, which are both pretty good. Oh, yeah. Uh, the main guy in Sisu is the guy who played the father in big game and uh, rare exports. Oh, cool. He's good. Yeah. But, yeah, that one's a must-to-see. But, yeah, we're going back to 1983. A reason this year is true as underrated is, well, it came after 1982, which basically changed shit up. Yeah. And we're not going to go to the Oscars and stuff. We're really just going to get started. And the first one came out in January 7th, and that would be Extra. Uh, you could talk about this. I think it's a piece of shit. <laughs> no, it's not a piece of shit. It's just one of those. It's a very schizophrenic movie. You got its first 20 minutes where the alien lands, impregnates this woman, and then she gives birth to a full grown man, which is one of the most amazing and painful effects that, that's ever been done with real effects. Yes, agreed. And I then, will agree with you on that. Changing every 10 minutes. I can remember watching it with a friend the first time, and then about 30 minutes in, I had to use the bathroom, and I came back, and I'm like, is this the same fucking movie? Yeah. Well, 
what the fuck happened? Who the fuck is that? Where the fuck are we? That is really the best way <laughs> to describe extra. What the what? The tape, which way did they go? And uh, next on January the 18th is Liliana, John Sale's uh, lesbian movie. One of two lesbian movies he did. He did Passion yeah. Picture, too. And plus, if it's John Sayles, it's good. Yeah, nope. agreed. Yeah. It has uh, Linda Griffith, Jane Halloran, John DeVise, Joe Henderson, Jessica McDonald, uh, Jesse Solomon, some John Sayles fellow. Steven Mandelo, Betsy Julia Robertson, basically a lot of his no-budget cast. And next is a movie for, that I know... Except for one, in what? a very small role, there's Chris Elliott. I think that oh, was yeah. his first role. Yeah. And next is a movie I know that Carl probably is going to go, pass, pass, pass. And that is The House on Sorority Row. Pass, pass, pass. <laughs> Generic Slasher 101. And next yeah. is... What the heck? Let me be back. I got to check on my uh, plug-in for a second. But next one, uh, we're going to skip over Treasure of the Four Crowns, which is good. It's 3D with crap. But let's go straight to, and Carl, you can take it for a little bit. We'll go back a little bit, but all i got to say is this, Carl. And you're going to find this okay. out next week. Uh, you're, where are you going to next week, Carl? Uh, I'm I'm going to go to Allentown, Pennsylvania and visit a friend of mine. Yeah, going to Pittsburgh. Bird. What? Look, no, I'm not going to Pittsburgh. I'm going to Allentown. Making. They arrest people for making scum films in Pittsburgh and uh, Latin America. Who knows what they'll do to you in Pittsburgh, Carl? <laughs> That's true. And what That's movie am true. I referencing? And you take it for a minute while I find out what's causing my battery pack on the computer. Okay, got it. So we're talking about Videodrome. And Videodrome was released in a cut version in the U.S., on uh, February 4th. Of course, that's David Cronenberg, James Woods, Deborah Harry, Sonia Smits, uh, uh, Peter Vorsky. Uh, just a wonderful, wonderful film. Uh, and it's my favorite of Cronenberg's films. Um, the one thing that we always reference is a line from Masha. And she says, um, uh, basically, you know, Video drum is dangerous because it has a philosophy. And it, it's just an amazing film. Um, and very, very well done and, and prescient to this day because it talks about how, uh, how TV and, and, and uh, what we watch uh, affects us. And in this case... It affects you by getting a tumor in you, and you become 
programmable. And take a look at our society right now. Uh, I'd say we're pretty programmable on both sides of the aisle right now. And it's it's like they, they, they put a fucking videotape cassette in us. Yeah, we just, and yeah, it's like our, our computer slash video cells are more real to us than our real cells. Oh, absolutely. And plus, it has the greatest line ever, which is uh, one which of these called said, things, you go which ahead is... Say it again. Yeah. Videodrome is dangerous because it has something you don't, Mac. And he's like, what's that? A philosophy. Yep. Greatest fucking line in the whole movie. all around... Universal didn't know what the fuck to do with this, so they just crapped it out in the R-rated version, which sort of vanished as soon as they started catching hell from all the reviewers who had seen it in Canada or any of its uh, festival showings. Well, let me put it this way. I first saw it in Canada. Jeff Lepizak and I were visiting a friend of ours, George Mellenbach, and I talked Jeff into watching it at Eaton Center. And it was a very small theater, and, man, I fucking loved it. You know, and I, and I got to give, give credit to a particular actor. Uh, well, two. Les Carlson. What do we say about Les Carlson? Yeah. He's great. Constantly. You know, what? we say if you see if, him in a yeah, movie, if, it's Canadian. Yeah, if, yeah. <laughs> It's not a Canadian exploitation film if it doesn't have Les Carlson in it. And the other person I have to give a, uh, uh, is Peter Vorsky, who plays uh, uh, um, who plays James Woods' right-hand man. And he's fucking great. And that line about Pittsburgh is, is Peter Vorsky. Yeah. No, that's uh, when James Woods talking to Deborah Harry right before... Uh, her character either vanishes or doesn't vanish from the film. Well, no, there, there, there's the one that Borsky says, I'll see you in Pittsburgh. Yeah. No, no, no. There's that one, too. There's two of them. Yeah, that's what the last uh, contact is. Right, exactly. It's just a masterpiece, and this October it's coming out on uh, – 4K Blu-ray from Criterion. About time you updated it, you assholes. Seriously, agreed. And the ones that we skipped over because there was, of course, Treasure of the Poor Crown by Fernando Bali with Tony Anthony, which means the movie don't make no sense. It's batshit crazy. And if that sounds good to you, then watch it. And then we got The Entity. This is the ghost fucking movie. I don't care if okay. people say, oh, this movie is so tense, it's so good. I'm like, no, this is the ghost fucking movie. Okay. I have to do a shout out and sort of a flight raspberry to Daniel Kramer. This is one of his favorite Fury films. And I just shake my head. I do not like this movie. I do not. Even Ron Silver isn't good in this movie. Good, Seriously. but it has to 
we're already in the February, but it already has to deal with the fact that the Frank Delita screenplay is kind of really graphic when it comes to the ghost rape scene. Oh, yeah. And next is Without a Trace by Stanley Jaffe of Kate Nelligan, Judd Hirsch, which is based on a true story, which the mother of it finally come out and went, Bullshit! That movie's a bunch of lies! So yep. you take it as it is. And next is a Hal Ashby film. Depending on uh, if you ask uh, certain people is one of the best or worst Rolling Stones concert movies, and there's a shitload to pick from that. Let's spend the night together. But you know what? That that is well directed. But but the one thing I do have to say against it, it's somewhat generic. You can tell that he was being controlled by the by by the Rolling Stones. Well, especially after Not their like dumbasses. Approved, like, yeah, like you said, cocksuckers blue. Right. Oh. <laughs> Dumbasses. Which is the best Stones documentary, by the way. And this next film may be the most divisive movie of February, end of the year. And that is Martin Scorsese's The King of Comedy. Some people love it. Some people say, I'm at the, eh. And then there's some people that violently hate it. Carl? I dislike this movie intensely. I just do. Now, one thing that is absolutely fantastic about this movie, actually, too, Jerry Lewis does a really good job doing Johnny Carson. Got to give him credit. But the person who steals this friggin' movie is Sandra Bernhardt. She's just fabulous. Oh, yeah, but... The problem is is that, it's one, it's too mean, and two, Robert De Niro's character is just too goddamn unlikable for you to root for anything. Yeah. Agreed. And, uh... This is Carl's favorite movie of the year. I think he said so himself, so I'm going to let him take this. And this is a... I went to the theater in New York and saw hey, this. Carl, Not no New York, what it was. you just say, I went to the theater from then on. Okay. <laughs> and saw this and wasn't expecting anything and came out absolutely in another world. It is a wonderful comedy. It's called Local Hero, directed and, and, and written by Bill Forsyth, starring Peter Riegert, uh, Dennis Lawson, uh, Fulton McKay, Burt Lancaster, and in the first role I ever saw him in, Peter Capaldi. And as soon as I saw him in this, I sort of thought, that man is going to be a star. And I was right. It is just a wondrous little film about um, an oil company in, in Houston that's taking over a, uh, a Scottish lock, and they want to build a, a refinery there. 
and the people there smell money, and so they're all for it. And and it's about what happens, and there's one person who's not, and and it's just and it's magical. It's magical. There are yeah, uh, it's literally uh, there are uh, mermaids, and there are northern lights, and there's a phone booth that's very prominent that was just saved from being being destroyed a year ago as uh, in, in the little town that they uh, filmed in. And it has a plaque on it uh, for the local hero. It is one of the greatest comedies of all time. Very sweet-natured, not laugh out loud, but just wonderful, wonderful gag. Yeah, it's uh, sweet. Um, yeah, that's the best yes. way I was going to describe it as a sweet, nice little movie. Something they just don't make anymore. Yeah, seriously. And actually, the one other thing I want to say is Bill Forsythe did a lot of films. And, mm-hmm. and, and they seem to have been forgotten. I did housekeeping. They shouldn't be, Gregory's but it's Girl. like I said, sweet. Yeah, all of but all of his movies were sweetness. like that. All his movies were like that. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Next, we got a movie that has John Huston, Alec Guinness, Ron Silver, Alan King, Selma Diamond, Christine Bransky. It also has Elizabeth McGovern and Dudley Moore. <laughs> How sick does Love Sick make you, Carl, on a scale of uh, one to ten? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's more a disappointment than sick, uh, because I really like Marshall Berkman as as uh, his screenplays. He worked with uh, Woody Allen, but this just does not work. It just does not work. Yeah. And next is a movie that, but because they debuted it on cable first, none of the theaters would play it, and that's. Uh, the Kevin Klein, Angela Lansbury version of The Pirates of Penzance. Yeah, I think that only played in New York for a week. Yeah, because they were pissed off because they debuted it on cable first, so they shunned it. Mm-hmm. And it's a good adaption of the play. Yeah. Uh, here's another one Carl's going to say move it move on move on and that is The Sting 2 why do you even have to fucking mention this (laughs) garbage (laughs) next is Table for Five another movie with John Boyd and Richard Crenna fighting over kids it's not gay if it was gay it might be better Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. Carl. What was the first American movie movie to ever be told chronologically backwards from end to start? I really don't have an answer for that. Harold Pinter and screenplay David Jones' Betrayal, starring Joan. Jeremy Irons, Ben Kingsley, Patricia Hodge, and Avril Elgar. 
and it's about how Jeremy Irons is having a fair with Patricia Hodge behind Ben Kingsley's back, and it tells from the end of the affair to the beginning. Okay, I've never seen it, so I don't know the movie. It's pretty interesting. I mean, just that think about I... that. Jeremy Iron and Ben Kingsley in a movie that told chronologically backwards from the end yep. of the story to the beginning. Written by Harold Pinter. Oh, yeah. That would be interesting to watch. Absolutely. And the next one, which we're just going to pack on by, is the... Cheryl Ladd, Grace Kelly, done for ABC Pictures Television. No, no. Speaking of busy little beavers, in March the 4th, we have Baby It's You with Rosanna Arquette and Vincent Spano. And guess who wrote and directed it? Well, that I can tell you. That was John Sells. John Sells. Saw that in the two theater. films in two months. God damn. God damn, John. <laughs> yep. It's good. But it yeah. just seems like he had directoria nowadays, and we didn't mind because his shit was always good. Mm-hmm. And Agreed. Speaking, this might be one of the better slashers to come out of the 80s, and that's uh, Curtains. John it, Vernon, Linda Thompson, Linda Samantha Edgerton, Linda Thorson, Samantha Eggers. Just damn. It, it, it's decent. It's decent. It's not the best slasher. It's certainly not the worst. Decent. And, I, and, and, and John Vernon... Having a lead role is always cool. John Vernon is one of the great character actors. And if you don't know who I mean, we're talking Dean Wormer from Animal House. Yeah. And because Richard Culpa, Siupka, who directed My Bloody Valentine, directed the first half, but then he walked off after fighting with the producer, Robert Guza Jr., uh... took over, wrote the screenplay as well, uh, they named, they gave the director's credit to John Vernon's character in the movie. Yes. But moving on, here's another one of the incest is cool if it's an overage woman and a little boy movie, and that's My Tudor. The only reason to watch this is to see Crispin Glover and his Glover first and, Yeah. Let's move on to a great film. Bruce Bedford, Horton Foot director, Horton Foot screenplay, Robert Duvall, Tess Hapler, Harper, Betty Buckley, Wilford Brimley, and Ellen Barkin. And you know what movie this is? Absolutely. It's Tender Mercies. Tender Mercies. God, was Robert Duvall good. That's the first movie that made me stand up and say, 
my, this Robert Duvall chap is very fucking good. Uh, that's not the first movie by any Godfather. I, I said by mm-hmm. me. Oh, I okay. haven't seen Godfather, Apocalypse Now, you know. But, but, but just in the way he actually that, won the he won the Oscar for Best Actor. Yeah, oh, he deserved it because he's just so good in this. I don't disagree with that. And what's funny is Universal Pictures didn't think this movie was going to be any good. So they just dumped it. They just put it in like little small screenings. But then it started getting across the board glowing reviews. So they decided to go wider with it. Yep. This is, if you're writing a must-see of 1983 list, Tender Mercies will be on there. And this next one, which I think is on the must-see list because it's just so grimy and sleazy. And that is Lee J. Thompson, director. William Roberts, screenplay. And that would be the great 10 to Midnight. (laughs) <laughs> this is the same guy that did the Guns and Navarone directed this. Yeah. What the fuck was he thinking? He's like, I want to see a movie with a killer running around with a specker dangling in the wind going, woo, 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 most of it. Oh. <laughs> and that was Andrew Stevens, by the way. Yeah. No, it was uh, Gene Davis. Andrew oh, Stevens was his partner. That's right. Okay, never mind. Okay. But it is stacked. It's got Charles Bronson, Lisa Eilbacher, Andrew Stevens, Gene Davis, Joffrey Lewis, Wilford Brimley. Wilford Brimley. Yeah. Kelly Kelly Preston. Yeah, before she overacted her ass off in Gotti. Yeah, exactly. And here's a weird one that's forgotten today. And most people even forget that Disney put this piece of shit out. And that's trench coat with Margot Kidder and Robert Hayes. I know. I've never even fucking heard of this movie. Yeah, that's why. That's how bad it's been buried. But next <laughs> is one that I like that most people are like, eh. And that's uh, Tom Selleck's first, the really good big screen vehicle, High Road to China. It's it's serviceable. It's it, you know for what it is, it's a fun movie. Yeah. It's just another serviceable. Next is speaking of a schizophrenic movie. For the movie is John Schneider running because he's a good man trying to live his life, but they won't let him. And the other half is. A hard-boiled fucking crime movie with Kirk Douglas as one of the most hard-ass cops ever. And that is Eddie Macon's Run. And speaking of early roles, it has Tom Noonan, Carl. Yes, I know. Also has John Goodman, J.T. Walsh, John Goodman. Mark Marvelous too. Yeah, I would say this is okay, but John Schneider was never going to be the big movie star. Oh, mm. and speaking of underrated, 
Did you like that movie Bad Boys, Carl? I mean, oh, wait. No, I'm not talking about your favorite movie with uh, Will Smith in it. No. I'm talking the one with these unknown actors. Sean Penn. Who's he? Eastside Morales. Who's he? Mm-hmm. Ali Sheedy. Eh. Clancy Brown. Alan Rook. Rick Rosenthal. How about Rennie Santoni? Come on. Rennie's yeah. great in that. What this is, is this is one of the best juvie movies ever. In the first movie where Clancy Brown really stole the movie as a scum <laughs> convict. Oh, he's good in it, too. He he and Esai are, are, are the real uh, uh, people to watch in that film. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good film. It's a really good film. Yeah. Next is the Black Stallion Returns, and we don't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) And also, on uh, the 25th, Max Dugan returns, and we still didn't give a shit. So, I gotta say, I actually saw that in the theater because of Jason Robards. Donald Sutherland. And I'm I'm a big Jason Robards fan. I was so disappointed. And the first role for Keezer Sutherland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And next is a movie where I like the book better, but the movie is good. And plus it has the only existence proof ever that there was a drive. They had like the walk-up seats in the front. And that's The Outsiders. Right. There's one other reason to truly love The Outsiders, and not just the cast. It was the first movie score of um, of the of the of um, the drummer from the Police. Oh, Stuart Copeland. But yeah, yeah, it was the first score from Stuart Copeland, and uh, and there was what was that song with him and uh, the guy from. Uh, uh, um, um, Don't box me in. Is is the big hit from that? Yeah. So there you go. Stuart Copeland's yeah. first score for a movie. And next is Sean Cunningham's attempt of making a teenage titty boopy movie, titty movie, and that's Spring Break. I will quote John uh, John Bloom, Robot himself. You know why Spring Break sucked as much as it did? No, tell me. Instead of drinking Budweiser, they drink Miller Lite to do a whole movie. Oh, God. (laughs) The funniest bit is one based on actual incident from David Smilow's Spring Break. And that is, he takes this beautiful girl up to her room. And then she sends him down to get condoms and But he forgets what number the girl's room is. Nice. Yeah, that's taken from a real incident, but that's the only funny thing about this movie. Moving on, we got... I never understood. Was there a big audience for 
bare knuckle fight with like tough enough. Look at this cast that's wasted in this movie. Dennis Quaid, Pam Greer, Wilford Brimley, and Oates. Yeah, talk about wasted days and wasted nights. Well, listen, if you want the movie about about bare knuckle fighting, it's hard times. Period. Yeah, and that was That's set the during the Depression. Right. And if you want pain, watch Tough Enough just for Dennis Quaid singing country music songs. Yeah, that's pain. And next is the Thornbird, which really gets me because every woman in America wanted to fuck Richard Chamberlain after it came out. And we both mm-hmm. know how that joke's punchline ended. Right, Carl? <laughs> yeah. Good <laughs> oh. luck. <laughs> and a lot of them, even after he came out and said that he was gay, said, he's not gay. No. <laughs> yep. And next is maybe the most schizophrenic, surreal movie from these guys. And it's uh, Graham Chapman, John Cleese, Terry Gilliam, Eric Idle, Terry Jones, Michael Palin, and Carol Cleveland. The last film of Monty Python and it's the meaning of life. Don't forget that Patricia Quinn's in this and so is Matt Brewer. Yeah, but I was just talking about the whole Monty Python troupe. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Chapman Cleese, Terry Gilliam, Eric Idle, Terry Jones, Michael Palin, Carol Cleveland. And the first, and the movie come up so goddamn short that they found out that, what's his name? The guy who directed Brazil, Terry Gilliam. Terry Gilliam. Had directed five minute short called about a pirate, financial pirate. So. Because the movie come up so fucking short, they added that to the front of the movie. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to love about it. Every sperm is sacred. The universe song. <laughs> the, the philosopher's song, too. Yeah. You know, is it the universe song, song one at the end of the movie? Yeah, the universe song is at the end of the movie. Yeah. And Mr. Creosote, which is all I'm going to say. If you don't know who that is, <laughs> just look that up on YouTube. Yeah. One more. Uh, no, I don't want to talk about Mr. Creosote. One more Thin Mint, Carl? <laughs> no. <laughs> but the sad thing is, for every good bit in this movie, there's like two or three that just... <laughs> Fall on it, ass, yeah. Mm-hmm. And now we're already in April to June, and we got Heart Like a Wheel. Uh, the movie, Bonnie Bedelia, Bo Deal, Bridges, some Leo, what's his last name? Leo Gossi, Rossi. Posse. Leo, yeah. I'm so disappointed Leo in you, Leo. Hoyt Axon. 
No, Heart Like a Wheel is a pretty decent movie. No, no, no. But no, no. It, it has nothing to do with oh, Heart Like a yeah, Wheel. Yeah, got I'm disappointed with Leo Rossi. Yeah, Leo Rossi is pretty damn good. And the movie oh, is decent, except yeah. that its subject, it don't have shit to do with her real story, and she complained about it. Mm-hmm. Isn't that like a broken record with most biographical movies? Oh, yeah. And next is one of the greatest movies ever written by Linda Shane and Jim Wynorski. Uh, And that will be Screwball. Oh, God. (laughs) And I'd like to take this chance to apologize to my parents for taking 12-year-old me to see that in the movie theater when I was a kid. You saw that in the movie theater? Yeah. You have never admitted that to me. (laughs) I wonder why. It never came up. (laughs) And next is what do you get with Jorge Rivera and Andrea Opachi running around topless while Laser Arrows Wookie Wookie lookalikes that right ripping a people apart. Uh, no thanks. I mean I know it's Fulci. No yeah, thanks. it's Fulci's Conquest. I would rather see that on the on the sixth of uh, April than uh, tell the story about a small town girl on a Saturday night. Okay, no, let's not. Flash dance. Go, the best go thing about first script and the first movie with. Leaving in it. And by the way, all the dances in Flashdance ain't Jennifer Beals. Let's give some credit where credit is due, and that's Maureen Shahan. Yeah. Okay, she's phenomenal. She also did the dancing in Streets of Fire. So there. Movie is the best movie to ever uh, on the fifties to ever be named after heroin ever. Slava Zuckerman and Paula Shepard, which is this is only her second movie since uh, Alice Sweet Alice. Mm-hmm. And it created and, and basically Car- the whole new wave look. And Ann Carlisle. Giving uh, herself also a in, job. In, right. There, uh, <laughs> look at Sky was a special movie for me. Because I saw that in the theater in the East Village. And I actually met Slava Zuckerman. And got to talk to him for about two or three minutes. Not long. But, but. I was very happy. I was actually at the premiere of that. And and that's one of the best nights I've had. It was a good... Uh, and it's a trippy, trippy movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And next may be the best... Yes, the best Chuck Norris film. 
in the of the eighties, <coughs> whoever decided to say, "Hey, let's take uh, Chuck Norris," <coughs> yeah, let's put him with R.D. Armstrong, L.Q. Jones, and make David Carradine the bad guy, and have them fight over Barbara Carrera. Whoa. And that would be Lone Wolf McQuaid. Don't forget William Sanderson either. Oh, God, yeah, William Sanderson. This is just a uh, great, great, great movie. I I personally don't think it's his best film. Uh, what do you my think is best? Silent Rage. Oh, yeah. But this is the one where they took it and neutered it and made it into Walker, Texas Ranger. Yep. And next is an interesting movie from a director that's pretty much been no-no'd on the no-no list. But screw you, I like his movies. And that's James Tobacks Exposed. I, I have a real antagonistic version of, uh, you know, Toback films. I can appreciate what he's trying to do and what he does. That doesn't mean I like any of his fucking films. Fingers? There isn't. Fingers is the only one. Yeah. But even that one's tough to get through. Oh, yeah, but this one has Natasha Kent. Natasha Kinski, Rudolph Nurev, Harvey Keitel, Ian McShane in the early role, B.B. Anderson, James Russo, James Toback himself, Janice Dickinson, Iman. Yep. I mean, it, it's been years since I've seen it. I, I saw it in the late 80s on, on uh, VHS. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll watch Toback films, but I, with the exception of Fingers, I don't like any of them. Even that one's tough to get through. Yeah. And the next one is the sci-fi, the film that hardcore sci-fi flicks film fans were waiting for, except that all of the audience for it went and seen The Evil Dead. Which also comes out pretty soon after this. And that is the one and the only The Deadly Spawn. Oh, God. Why? Why? Because it's fun. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. Some girl, like, what the? I mean, they made it for about 10 cents with some of the best damn-looking monster effects you could expect to see in a movie like that. Yeah, for 10 cents. No, uh, this this one does not work for me at all. It just doesn't. Sorry. And next is what I consider the best Tom Cruise film that came out... Well, the second best Tom Cruise film to come out this year, and that's Losing It. Curtis Hanson, well, were... director. And here's, Tom Cruise already said he's in it. Here's his backup. 
Kelly Long, Jackie Earl Haley, John Stockwell. Well, I have to say one thing about this movie. There is one really good thing about this movie. What? And it's a and it's a scene in a bar with a piano player who's singing body songs, who I actually mm-hmm. have have uh, shared a stage with. It is the only film he was ever in, and that's John Volby, otherwise known as Dr. Dirty. Best thing in the it's movie. A, it's a sweet little movie. It's not I mad. Mean, yeah. It's Curtis Hansen, though it's good. Thus, it's good. So shut up. Okay. Next is one half of the greatest vampire movie ever made. And one half of the worst lesbian vampire movie ever made. How can a movie be that schizophrenic? Well, put in David Bowie for the first hour of it. And then take him out for the second hour. What do you get? The Hunger. My God. And Catherine Deneuve and Susan Sarandon. Sarandon, And the big thing was the lesbian scene. And it's like, come on. No, I've seen yeah, better Yeah, there's a reason that the gay community loved David Bowie's character in The Hunger. Yep. And Tony Stott did a great job, and it. it's just that David Bowie's performance was so goddamn powerful that he just swallowed the whole film. And let's not forget who else is in there. You got Dan Hedaya, you got Willem Dafoe, you got oh. John Pankow, Ann Magnuson. I mean, there's yeah. there's a good cast in there. Bauhaus. You know, I I was disappointed in that film. That was one of the big disappointments of that year for me. Oh, I'm not saying it is. Once you get past, once they uh, file away David Bowie, and I'm being literal, if you've seen the movie. You're like, what the hell? Where the hell can this go to be anywhere good? And speaking of disappointment, let's say, let me give you a movie that's dark, creepy, scary, and edgy like you want. Uh, that's too dark and creepy. We're going to do another cut and change the darkness, change the score, change about everything that made the movie good. And that would be the one and only by the pricking of my thumb. Something wicked. wicked this this way, way comes. comes. And here's the reasons to see it. Jason Robar. Jonathan Price. And who did they cast as the most beautiful woman in the world, Carl? Fucking Pam Greer. Pam Greer, yeah, you're like, okay, done. But it, yeah, you know, there is this this um, urban legend that there is an R-rated cut. No, not an urban 50- legend, Carl. Like I said, it's in the Ray Badbury archives. And it needs to be fucking released. Yeah, I know. But Disney won't do it. 
just like they won't release the black hole with their original ending. Uh, the Watcher in the Woods with all three cuts intact. Yeah. And let me tell you something. One other thing about mm-hmm. something like it this way comes. Boy, was that a coming out party for Jonathan Price. Holy oh, God, he is shit. so good as Mr. Dark. He is so fucking scary. Yeah, they tried to body. do that, but then Jonathan Price is like, uh-uh, Whoops. I'm still keeping this shit scary. Yeah. And we're like, yes, sir. <laughs> oh, I forgot. And I tell Eddie you what, that final scene between him and, and Jason Robards is just phenomenal. Yeah. It's phenomenal. And the and scenes cut. using stop motion where the carnival mm-hmm. comes in the train, the chain, the dark carnival comes into town and the train jumps the rails. Mm-hmm. And you see this, just the circus being built. Yeah. Yeah. But the other thing I do want to say, say about this movie before we move on is that this is my favorite book from, from Ray Bradbury, and he did the screenplay. And I have read this to several, you know, teenage boys and and been wrapped. This is an incredible, incredible book. It was an incredible screenplay, and they cut it to shit. Yeah. And here's a movie that on paper, should be a piece of shit. Uh, Valley Mall Girl meets Punk Rocker. You're like, oh, God, this movie shit is going to suck. And then you look at it and you're like, wow, this one's actually fucking good. And that yeah, would be agreed. Valley Girl. And that was really I Nick mean, Cage's uh, uh, coming out party. Yeah, and uh, I'm trying to get back to it because I actually lost the page. Okay, here we are. And it was uh, Nicholas, let's see, uh, Martha Coolidge's big hit, Deborah Foreman. Mm-hmm. I mean, every one of the characters in the movie, Frederick Forrest, what I love is that they introduced the characters as caricatures. You know, what's that word yeah. called? I can't pronounce it. You got it. You got it. Caricatures. Yeah. You got it. But then they slowly evolve into full, living, breathing characters. Yeah. This movie didn't have Andrew Davis directing it, who takes this uh, slasher movie's pace to the next level. And Joe Pantoliano is one of the bad guys. The Final Terror would be just a boring piece of crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. But it's not. It's actually no, one but, of the better slashers. Yeah, like I said, because Andrew Davis as director and uh, Joe Pantoliano is one of the bad guys. Mm-hmm. There you go. Rachel Worrell's good. Daryl Hannah's good. Adrian Zemed's good. And yep. now we're on to there, and this may be one of the best TV movies ever. 
forever. Peeping guest just by its stars. Faye Grant. I already know. But the- Jane Baldwin. Richard Lawson. Peter Nelson. Well, it is B. Mark Singer. Robert yeah, England. Mark England. This oh, one is, was shockingly good and intelligent. Yep. If you're going to watch B, watch B and B the final battle. After that, you can pretty much skip B the TV series, B the comic book series, uh, B the remake series. Oh, God. Yeah. Here may be two of the two worst films of the year. We're going to... I'm just going to say them at once just to get them off the chart. Just so people won't say we got it. One is Still Smoking. How to do a concert film that sucks dick. And that's Still Smoking. And next is Dr. Detroit. Dan Aykroyd's first attempt to be in a solo comedy star. And not good. <laughs> That's the understatement. And next is, well, Carl, in this movie's turn, will be JFCO, just another fucking co-host. <laughs> yep. But what do you get when you put into a blender Roy Scheider, Warren Oates, Candy Clark, turn. Malcolm McDowell is the bad no, guy. No, 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 no. Not Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm fucking McDowell. Okay? Yeah. There you go. And the director by Don... And the screenplay by Dan O'Bannon. And directed by John Badham. Blue Thunder is good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Great. What The helicopter movie. Period. Yeah. That is the helicopter movie. And one of the great paranoia films of yep. all time, too. Absolutely. And, of course, uh, Malcolm McDowell is at his scummiest. When, he's one of those, please yeah. let him get killed. Please let him get killed. Well, listen, he became one of the great villains. You know, I mean, I love Malcolm. I absolutely love that man, and and you know what I think of If and 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 Oh Lucky Man and, and yeah. uh, Britannia Hospital, but he became one of the greatest villains of all time. Seriously. Yeah. And next may be the best rap movie. Oh, oh, sorry, I screwed up. Right, Carl? Yeah, you did. The second best rap movie of the year. No, this is the best dachshund in a rap costume movie of the year. Okay, I'll give you that. And they're so cute, those doctors in those rat costumes. And that's Deadly Eyes, based on James Herbert's book, The Rat, with Scatman Crothers talking about, I've seen a damn rat in the zoo, and it's about, about two feet long. <laughs> and with He's those, wonderful. Uh, yeah. And the best part of the movie is, the doctors are supposed to run around attacking people. And this one guy to have the rat come gnaw on his foot. 
and he held his hot dog up, which is a prop. Well, it was a real hot dog, but it was just prop, prop going, ah! And what do you know is one of the docs and shakes his costume off and jumps up, boop, grabs the hot dog. <laughs> That's beautiful. And they kept and it that, in the movie. Yeah. And next is nostalgia. And why am I talking okay. about that? Because it's directed and, by Andrew the one and only Andrew Tarkovsky. Yeah. I saw this. I saw this in the theater. I'm, I'm a Tarkovsky fan. Um, still not his best too. film, but but great film nonetheless. My favorite and of next, his, of course, is Solaris. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, and next is a movie that tries to be an art film masterpiece, but it just ends up to be in a mess, and that is The Moon in the Gutter. I actually like this film. It's not Ben X's best film. That would be Diva. But I like this film. I like this film. Um, It's very sexual, (laughs) to say the least. I think that's part of the reason I like it so much. Let's face it. It's not it's not great by any means, but it, it it's certainly you know a good art house exploitation film. Yeah, what there it is is Gerald Pardue's sister gets raped and her throat cut, so Gerald Pardue spends the rest of the movie fucking uh, Natasha Kinski while trying to find out who killed his sister. Mm-hmm. Yep. And in some scenes at the same time. And next is a movie that used to be placed as one of the top 20 live comedy films of all time. But with all of the baggage that it has to it, some of the jokes just aren't funny anymore. And that's Bill Cosby himself. Yeah. No. Nope. 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 No, yeah, I was like, nope, 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 nope. Like those aliens from the Muppets. Mm-hmm. Right? Nope, 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 nope. Right. And what do they call it, Carl, when you have a good idea? What's that word that you say? I'm not sure what you're saying. Um, which word do you mean? I have lots of words. Eureka! No, well, of course. And since Carl loves this film, take it, Carl. Well, this is a Nicholas Rogue film. I didn't see this in the theater. I didn't see this until years later on HBO. It's got one of Gene Hackman's best roles, uh, and he's fantastic. Teresa Russell, Rutger fucking Hauer, Mickey Rourke, Ed Lauder, Joe Pesci, Joe Spinell. Please tell me there's a scene in it, and I'll rewatch it, with Joe Pesci and Joe Spinell acting together. There is. Oh, I got to see that. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're the bad guys. Oh, God. They're the bad yes, guys. Yes, <laughs> There's a lot to like about this film. However, it is so dense, and it's so off-putting. No wonder MGMUA didn't know what the fuck to do with it. Of course, it's Nicholas Rogue. 
It's the guy who gave us the Lair of the White Worm and Don't Look Now. Uh, no, idiot. He did no, not Lair of the I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't Look Now. Uh, uh, the Witches. Sorry, I made a mistake. The Man uh, Who Fell to Earth. Man, yeah. We're, we're talking dense. Yeah. We're talking very dense. I and love the it. Next, Anyone I'm that I've, I've, I'm, hold on, hold on. Go ahead. Anyone that I've told people to watch it, look at me like, after they watch it, like, why the fuck did you do that to me? I'm, I'm one of the few people that like the film, so there you go. Okay, it's I'm okay, but now I get know that I get to see Joe Spinell and Joe Pesci together. I'm like, okay, raise it up. And this was re-released in 1983 on the 20th. I don't know why, but thank God they did for it, all the people that missed it in the 70s, and that is The Mac. We'll just let you take that because I love it too, but you love it more than I do. Well, we talked about it on one of our 70s episodes when it first came out. Right. And Richard next Pryor is the movie really fucking that, amazing in it, by the way. Yeah. He's this amazing. next movie is the film that I saw because of the film that come right after it was sold out for its first week showing completely. So we was over in Knoxville. I was like, well, what do you want to go see? And my dad's like, let's go see this movie. It's in 3D. I'm like, cool. And it was Face Hunters Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. And why should uh-huh. you give a shit? Peter Strauss, Ernie Hudson, and as the bad guy, Michael freaking Ironside. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not saying it's an art film masterpiece, but I'm saying it's damn fun. Yeah. And there's no good- there's no giant slug creatures raping a girl like unlike. This next film, which is the third big one to get the PG-13 started. And just, and we can still dream a dream of this movie being directed by either David Lynch, who has offered it and said no, or David Cronenberg, because he was busy with his coming out this year, he said no. And that is Return of the Jedi. I think of the original trilogy, this is the one that's most underrated. I like this one. Yeah, people I are like, oh, think- the Ewoks are there because they're cute. I'm like, no, because they were there because of one lesson that the Emperor didn't learn. And it's the same yeah. reason we lost in Vietnam. Do not mm-hmm. fuck with someone in their home turf. They know it better than you, and they know how to use it. Exactly. And this is a movie where David Prowse was supposed to show his face on screen as Darth Vader, but because he opened his big mouth about three, two or three weeks before the movie came out, George Lucas is like, oh, fuck you, motherfucker. 
And then yeah. he replaced him with Sebastian Shaw. Yep. And this one killed everything because nothing much came out big. Well, this one is big to me and Carl. Uh, oh, what do you doubt. get when you throw Linda Blair, John Vernon, Sybil Danning, Cameron Thompson, Stable Stevens, and Henry Silva in a prison? You get <laughs> oh, you... the one and only chained fucking heat. Absolutely. Let me tell or you hit. something. That scene with Sybil Danning as as the warden uh, and, and no, her fantasy. She's a, no, she's uh, one of the prisoners. John Byrne is oh, the warden. Oh, okay. I'm thinking of the oh, uh, no. I'm thinking of the John, Jonathan Deming one. I'm sorry. Never mind. No, you're thinking Never of mind. a form school girl. No, I'm thinking of the one. I'm thinking of the Demi film. Where, the Demi where, where film Demi. had uh, Barbara Steele as the. Well, oh, Barbara Steele. That's who it was. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah, you're right. But this right. one right. has John uh, Silva Danning and Tamara Dobson trying to out badass each other. <laughs> I think it's a stalemate. Yeah, and John Vernon and Hero Hill and John Vernon and Henry Silva trying to out scumbag each other. And that's oh, pretty interesting the one with the hot to tub. watch. This is the one with the yeah. hot tub. Okay, never mind. With John yeah, Vernon okay, never mind. Hot tub got it, got it, got it. <laughs> yeah, I mean Listen, good. you watch as many WIP movies as I do, they all sort of like bled together, trust me. Yeah, but how many of them has Henry Silva and John Vernon trying to outsleaze each other? And you're absolutely fucking right. Yeah. Oh, it's just your sleazy, grimy, drive-in perfection. Mm-hmm. Yep. Poor Linda Blair gets swallowed alive in this movie. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. That's hard with her. With her protuberances that are on wide display in that movie. Yeah, but still, she can't outdo John Vernon, Sybil oh. Danning, Tamara Dobson, Stella Stevens, Henry Silva. Just... No, she can't. And next Don't forget there's Edie be... Williams in that, too. Yeah, and next may be the most underrated horror comedy of the 80s. And... I don't know why, but on DVDs and Blu-ray so far, it's cut. They cut out some of the best gags. And that is the classic from Carl Reiner and Steve Barton, The Man with Two Brains. And may I say something right now before you get into it? What? Okay. Sissy fucking SpaceX. As the voice of the brain. Yeah, and Jeffrey Combs. Yeah. Kathleen Turner, David Warner, <laughs> and playing the psycho killer who injects his victims with uh, Windex is Merv Griffin. <laughs> yes. This is just beautiful fun that sadly has got forgotten. And when it comes to Carl Reiner comedy, 
is rarely mentioned. Yeah. Agreed. Warner Brothers, find an uncut print of it and release it. Agreed. And next is a movie that when they announced it, we're like, oh, God, why are they doing this? This is going to be stupid. And then we're like, oh, God, some first-time director, Richard Franklin. Oh, God, Tom Holland, the screenplay. Oh, this movie's going to be shit. And then we got whips of a road games. And then we're like, wait. This might be good. And, yeah, this might be good. And then that, and then Anthony Perkins, Vera Miles, Meg Tilly, Robert Loja, Robert Dennis France. Just knock it out of the fucking park. Psycho 2 is 200 times better. Than you would expect it to be. Still not as good as Psycho, but damn good triple. Without a doubt. It was it was a triple with uh uh walk walked home. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you that. Yeah, it was like Richard Franker's oh yeah, fuck you, I can make a good movie. And here is the movie, John Badham. We talked about one of his weirder ones earlier. And this was his biggest hit of the year. A movie that's aged so badly that it's went from being a classic to a joke. And that is... I considered it a joke when I first saw it. I hated this movie. Absolutely Yeah, war games. How can you waste Dabney Coleman... Barry Corbin, uh, Michael Madsen, Dennis Lipskin, Eddie Deason. I mean, no, move on. And next is one of the best comedies that John Landis did of the 80s, Trading Mm -hmm. Places. You know who steals this news? Yeah, two people. Steals this movie. Fucking steals No, it. no. Two people steal this movie. Well, God to the point and, where... and, and, and Ralph Bellamy, of course. Yeah. Ralph Bellamy and Donna Michi. They were so good together in this movie that John Landis, for the longest time, wanted to do a sequel with them. Yeah. And he even set it up in Coming to America. Of course, they, they they passed, so can't do it anymore. But I will say this. Um, there's a great story about Don Amici. Don Amici was very, very religious. And there's yeah. a specific line that he says in this, that <laughs> he had to be coaxed to say it. Yeah. And once he did it, he had to go to church and ask for forgiveness. Seriously, I'm yeah. not joking. Open those fucking things back up, you... (laughs) That's it. (sighs) And this is the movie where Paul Gleason gets fucked by a gorilla. And like... (laughs) I like it. Let him be. It's New Year's Eve. (laughs) And this is the movie where Jamie Lee Curtis... 
But yeah, Dan Aykroyd, great. Eddie Murphy, great. Ralph Bellamy, great. Don Amici, great. DeHome Elliott. He, I, I still say he steals the movie. He's great, great in this movie. Yeah. Uh, Jim Belushi, good. Bo Diddley, great. Frank mm-hmm. Oz, great. And that's who played the gorilla, Carl. Right. I do know that. Uh, Tom Franken. John Carlo Esposito. Yeah. Okay, you break it up a little bit, my friend. The title that probably tickled like uncontrolled little kids, and even though I was a teen and you was an adult, do you think they could get Carl? Carl, I'm here. I'm here. Do you think they could get away with making a movie called Octopussy today? I would still do it. Probably not. But what the hell? I mean, not, it's not, fun. Not, it's okay. It's it's not it's if anywhere it's in the middle of the pack of of, of uh, yeah the end well, yeah. films you know uh, James Bond but but not 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 a good one not to me anyway and now let's move to the worst Richard Pryor film of the eighties next to the toy and that is what? Superman three. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's all we got to say about that. Except for the bit with drunk uh, Superman, evil Superman. That part was great. Not a good movie. And speaking of worst comedy of 1983, would you want to go see the? Did you go see the Survivors when it came out to the big screen? No, oh. I did not. No, I did Michael not. Michael Ritchie, what the fuck? Seriously, I agree. The only good thing in this movie is Jerry Reed is the hitman. Yes. Otherwise, Robin Williams at his most hammy. Walter Matthau just actually, you could just tell he didn't want to be there. Yeah. And next is a film that Bob Clark made because his first film, well, the first one of these was Big Hit. And guess who wrote the screenplay? You'll be shocked. No, I actually know. Alan, Alan Ormsby. Yeah. And it's Porky's 2 the next day. What was shocking about it that it wasn't, it wasn't the fact that it was uh, a decent sex comedy, teen sex comedy, is that it actually had a pretty goddamn good subplot about racism. By the way, just so you know, there are two George Romero uh, uh, actors in this. Bill Hindman and Richard Liberty. Oh, cool. But would you surprise how intelligent the Anti-racism I actually like this one better than the first yeah. one. Yeah, 
Oh, yeah. Right. I think my favorite moment is when the clan members are standing at gym. Like, we're going to kick your ass, boy. What are you going to do about it? And they snap their finger. And they're like, yep. the whole Indian tribe just stands up on the bleachers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's it's actually the the better of the two porkies by far. Yeah. Oh God, I'm sorry for this next one. Okay, talk to me. <sighs> it's. One half of a great movie from uh, your boy from uh, Gremlins, Gremlins 2, Joe Dante, and the guy who created Mad Max. But then there's John Landis and Steven Spielberg. we'll, We'll save that for last. There's that treacly piece of shit that is Cam by Steven Spielberg in full-on sleepwalk mode. And then we get to John Landis is a fucking murderer and there's no way he can get over that. Yep. Because of the filming of this, uh, Vic Morrow and two Vietnamese kids were fucking killed because some fucking idiot told them to fly closer to the explosions and it ain't good. No. And what the sad part is is that George Miller and Joe Dante sections are so fucking great. They didn't need the stain of... uh, The Joe of the John Landis section. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Spielberg's section is, is one of the worst things he ever directed. Yeah. It's, and, and it's got fucking Scatman Crothers in it, which you would think would make it beautiful. <laughs> and he's actually good in it, but everything else is just so fucking bad about it. Even though I don't like his later stuff, Joe Dante is one of my gods for a moment that goes on behind the scene. Mm-hmm. The day after he found out about what happened with John Landis and stuff, Landis called him crying and told him. He said, Spielberg said I had to finish it quick so he could get his started and all that. And uh, Spielberg stood up and just said, yes, Joe. Wham! Right in the fucking mouth. (laughs) (laughs) That's the reason they don't work together anymore. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, when I heard they punched him and then all they heard was like horrible cursing. And George Lucas almost stepping into the office, then him hearing it and is like, oh shit, and ran away. Yep. Oh, and speaking of messes, and I do apologize for this. I'm sorry, Carl. I got to mention this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yellow beard. 
There is only one good thing in this movie, and his name is Spike Milligan. Uh, no, John uh, Cleese is good. Cleese is good, but Milligan is better. Yeah, John, uh, let's see, uh, John Cleese is good, Milligan is good, Cheech and Chung are good because they're enjoying not playing stoners. Yep. It's Marty Feldman's last movie with Eric Idle, Madeline Kahn, James Mason, Kenneth Mars. With this cast, this movie, David Bowie. This movie yeah. should have been good. What the fuck happened? Oh, it's a mess. It's a fucking oh, mess. Oh, God, yeah. Hey, and we've already made it to July. Oh, God, no. Hal Needham's last film as director. If you ever wanted to see Burt Reynolds drive a stock car in a chicken suit, this is the movie you've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Why did Hal Needham have to go out with Stroker Ace? I don't know, but it ain't good. Speaking of ain't good, we got Class with Rob Lowe, Jacqueline Dezette, and Andrew McCarthy. Oh, God. And, and directed by the by Louis John Carlino, who gave us the sailor who fell from grace with the sea. Now, what the fuck was he thinking? Uh, oh God, no, Carl. No, just skip it, please. <laughs> Don't even mention it. This no, this is the worst fucking movie of 1983. The worst. Fuck you, Sylvester Stallone, for directing Staying Alive. And now, let's skip it. And now for a movie that actually has ambition and wants to do something different, and was an ambitious FX film, too, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And that's Z-League, about a man who has no personality of his own, so he starts absorbing the look and personality of anyone he's been around. Uh, it's a, it's a good film. It's a good film. It's, it's actually one of uh, Woody Allen's lesser known films. Um, but what they do is they they do a lot of uh, of uh, movie uh, uh, movie all stuff. A movie and history uh, stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and and so you see actual footage of like Charles Lindbergh, Danny Bryce, Adolf Hitler, uh, James Cagney, uh, Joseph Gobbles, Herman Goring. Yeah. Oh God, Vicky liked this, but no, 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 no to Jaws 3D. Fucking written by Richard Matheson. Yep. Seriously? And, and Carl Gottlieb, so... Oh, God. I would prefer to get the one that... Wasn't it John Landis up the direct Jaws 3, People 0? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that would have been fun. And speaking of movies that have dated themselves horribly, well, it's John Hughes, Mr. Mom, and moving on... And here's a movie that I wished would have been better. I mean, it has uh, 
Freddie Jones, Francesca Annis, uh, Liam, Liam Neeson, Robbie fucking Robbie Coltrane. Yep. I mean, with the cast like that, you expect Crawl to be better than what it was. There's always been rumors that how, uh, that it was severely tampered with. Because you can tell there's like big gaps in where the footage is missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we're up to another film I wish they would have kept the original ending. And that's National Lampoon's Vacation. If you ever get a chance to read the original story that inspired this, in the National Lampoon's magazine, you'll see what the what this dark movie could have been. Or do you think the movie could have handled the ending that dark? No. No, they would have never done it. And they didn't. And what it is is he kidnaps basically Disney or Roy Wally, and the cops come and shoot him, and it shows him happy and relaxed at the end. In solitary confinement in prison. The movie is okay. good, but eh. not my thing. Never got why it was so so popular, but you know it's what it is. Not not for me. And another one to skip over is private school. Okay, all I have to say about private school is what the fuck Noel Black. Noel Black, if you was directed this, did one of the greatest black comedies of all time. He did Pretty Poison. And then he does this? Phoebe Kate's tits. Excellent. Oh, God. It's awful. Betsy Russell's tits. Yeah. Sylvia Cristal's tits. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Even I, Ray Walston's tits. Yeah. (laughs) And speaking of uh, compilations, this one was better than it had any right to be, and that's Daffy Duck's Fantastic Island. Because Daffy Duck is Mr. Rourke, and Speedy Gonzalez is Tattoo. We're a good combination. Absolutely. Absolutely, and, and it's a, it's a compilation. So you know you're getting all those wonderful, you know, forties and fifties and early sixties Looney Tunes. What's wrong yeah. with that? Nothing. And next, uh, well, I'm gonna let Carl take this. What do, I'm gonna ask his question first to Carl. What you, okay. Was there ever a movie that's a love note to a concert venue? Yes, there was. Oh, and it's the movie tell that me more. Going, <laughs> called Get Crazy. It is just one of the most wonderful films ever made that never really got released. Yeah, it got released in, what, 10 theaters? Yeah. Maybe. Because uh, uh, directed by Alan Arkin, just a fantastic film, and it's basically about this um, this particular concert, uh, Fillmore East, which is uh, closing, 
and uh, Alan Garfield owns it, and uh, he's trying to get everybody to do the New Year's Eve, and it's Malcolm McDowell as as uh, as uh, what's his name from the uh, Rolling Stones, Mick, uh, Mick uh, help me, but Jagger. anyway, um, Jagger, uh, uh, we've got we've got uh, Lou Reed. Howard Kalen leaving, Robert Picardo, Bobby Sherman, Fabian Forte, Franklin Ajay, Paul Bartell, Mary Warrenoff, Clint Howard, Linnea Quigley, Jackie Joseph, Dick Miller, and a walking, talking joint. It is absolutely fucking crazy. It is and a wonderful what film. Is, and it didn't come out till later, and after that, people really started loving it. Is every one of those wacky stories are true stories that happened to people who worked at the Fillmore East. Yeah, and and the other thing I do want to say about this movie is it's now out in a wonderful uh, uh, restored 4K, uh, and a friend of my podcast, and, and we both know him, Dan Kramer. Uh, did the uh, a commentary on it, and I talked to Dan about it, and 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 both he and I love this movie. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you definitely want to see this one. This one is well worth it, guys. I prefer My you favorite just comedy call of the Dan year. Kramer mafia style. <laughs> he's a friend of ours. <laughs> yeah, he's a friend. He's of a ours. friend of ours. <laughs> and next is. Besides Get Crazy, the best Tom Cruise movie and one of the best comedies up there. And But what's funny is the best line come from Curtis Armstrong and uh, Joe Pantoliano. Yeah. Curtis Armstrong's line is, sometimes you really just got to learn to say, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And this is Risky Business with Joe Pantoliano playing Guido the Killer Pimp. <laughs> oh, God. Just just a great movie. Um, and it's, it is so dark. You know, they call it a teen comedy. This thing is dark as fuck, man. And it is wonderful. Yeah. And I love the... Uh, the conversation between Joe Pantoliano and Tom Cruise. And they're like, Tom's like, you know, you really don't seem that bad. Why do they call you Guido to kill a pimp? He's like, you think Guido, the you're not that bad pimp? Or Guido, the nice guy pimp, would install fear and respect in the people? He's like, honestly, no. Yeah, so I'm Guido, the killer pimp. Motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's the guy at the car dealership that has one of the great one-liners that he just throws out there. Okay, which one of you guys is a U-boat commander? <laughs> now, you and I have a slight difference of opinion on this film on the end. We do believe that the ending, which was forced upon Paul Brickman, is not the right ending. 
because they 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 whitewash it at the end. For me, he you know he just gets through, and he puts on the glasses, and that's where I think it should stop. Now you want to do the original ending, so you tell him what the original. Yeah, ending what it is is that at the end, after he's gotten all of his stuff back, including the egg. Guido turns to me and says, you know what, kid? I'm the best fucking teacher you ever met. And then Tom Cruise turns to him and says, yeah, you're right. Thanks. And he's like, no problem, kid. And then slam, and then the movie's over. Mm -hmm. And what they did is is they uh, put an ending on where he gets accepted into school. And that just doesn't work for me. Yeah. Because they cut out the scene where uh, he uh, gets accepted in the school because the guy who's there to evaluate him, mm-hmm. he gives him, uh, he's like, do you see anything that you want to sample? Uh, I've always wanted a black girl. Go upstairs with him. Show him a good time. And then it Shows him go up there with a shitty and grin with like two black prostitutes. (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff. And the ending the movie has repeat footage from earlier in the fucking movie of Rebecca and the Bornet and Tom Cruise. Mm -hmm. Speaking of a movie that should have been better than it was, The Star Chamber by Peter Hyams. What the hell, man? What the fuck, man? It has such a beautiful setup. And then the ending just goes... Well, it's, it's almost a remake of Magnum Force. Almost. Only yeah. instead of cops, it's judges. I've read the yeah. high-end novel, which has a different ending, and it works better. What mm-hmm. happened was is uh, Michael Douglas takes out Hal Holbrook's Star Chamber and starts one of his own. Yep. And next is one of the best animated films that you've ever seen, but you probably haven't seen and not in the edition that you need to see it in. And that's Twice Upon a Time. Fantastic film. Fantastic. I got to see this at uh, the Museum of Broadcasting. And I saw the original cover. I saw the original cover. Oh, so you didn't get to see the one with the cursing? Yep, I saw the one with the cursing. That's not the director's cut. The director's cut is the one without the cursing because he didn't like the cursing in his movie. Mm Mm-hmm. But the cursing well, I saw the one with the cursing. Yeah. My oh. fellow shitheads, get your boss. <laughs> <laughs> he calls them shitheads, fuckwads, dimwits, dumb shits. <laughs> yeah. I, I I love this movie. And, yeah. and, and the animation is a cutout animation. So it's it's really an animation you don't see a lot of. The closest you can come to it is, is uh, South Park. But this is much more uh, um, 
much more detailed than what they do in South Park. And yeah. It's a fucking gorgeous movie. Oh, God, yeah. And by the it's... way, you say, you say fuckhead, you know, and that. You know whose uh, who's, who's, uh, voice that was? Who? Paul Freese. Now, if you don't awesome. know who Paul Freese you know, if you don't know Paul Freese, look him up. That's F-R-E-E-S. Uh, he was Boris Badenov. He was all over the place. One of the great, great voice actors for for animation. And, yeah, that's Paul Freese. And next is a movie that, well, it's based on one of Stephen King's worst books. Because let me tell you the plot of this. A woman's trapped in a car with a killer fucking St. Bernard jumping at her window. That makes for a hell of a movie, doesn't it, Carl? But you know what? This is a hell of a movie. Yeah, but you read 200 pages of a woman trapped in a fucking car. And yeah. a dog trying to break in. It uh, It's boring as crap. And another reason Cujo the movie works is everybody is a character and not a character. Even the poor dog, you get to feel bad for him and get to see him before the rabies take settles in. Well, plus you got D. Wallace, Daniel Hugh Kelly, Danny Pitano, uh, Ed Lauder. And Jerry Harden's in it, too. And I've always liked Jerry Harden. I got two things to say to you, two movies to say to you, Carl, and you're going to say, fuck you. Curse of Pink Panther and the Man Who Wasn't There. And Smokey the Bandit Part 3. Oh, God. <laughs> if it wasn't okay, 20 minutes before, let's go on. We'll, yeah, we're <laughs> moving on. And next we're is one on. of the weirdest movies to come out. Which is Prisoners of the Lost Universe with Richard Hatch in flannel throughout the movie, looking like what's his name from uh, to, uh, Home Improvement. Not, you know, what I'm talking about his assistant. Yeah. Yeah. And with John Saxon with one hell of a codpiece as a bad guy. I've never seen it, nor. Do I think I want to see it? But I would see I it for John cheap, I had a cheap uh, DVD set with it, and it's not bad if you got like forty nine other movies with it. <laughs> okay, got you, got you. And how many people talk about Rodney Dangerfield's very first movie, Easy Money, Carl? Nobody. Yeah, and it's fucking great. It's me. PG PJ O'Rourke wrote the script along with Dangerfield. And we got Rodney Dangerfield, Joe Pesci, Jennifer Jason Lee, Jeffrey Jones, Taylor Negron, Tom Noonan. Tom Noonan. Yeah, uh it's just sleazy good fun. And this is the close we've getting to his uh, comic album character on a film of any of his movies. True. Plays a fat, 
overweight, drunken guy who has to give up the booze, give up the fatty food, lose his weight, and just be nice, period, or else he would, or else his wife won't get the ten million dollars his mother-in-law, who hates them, left them. Yep. And next is a movie you only want to see because it has Tim Thomerson and Richard Maul in it. And that is Charles Band's Metal Storm Destruction of Jared Sin. You know, I actually kind of like this movie. And I think part of it is because of Thomerson and Maul. But I actually yeah. kind of like this movie. And Kelly Preston's in this too, by the way. Um, yeah. It, it's it's run of the mill, but there are there are scenes in it that that are fun. It's fun. I'll tell you what, it's better than the next one we're going to talk about. Hey, don't diss your the hunter from the future, especially when they cut it down from a six-hour fucking Italian miniseries to That's an eighty-minute film. Yeah. That's the problem. You're gonna if you try to keep up with your with your head, you're gonna get whiplash. Hell, your neck <laughs> might be broken. You look straight down at your ass. Yep. And I love Sidney Lumet. Lumet, but what the fuck was he thinking with Daniel? I don't know. Uh, this, is, this, this isn't certainly not his worst movie. I sort of just I I put this as a meh. This is a meh. Eh. Eh. That's the way I feel about it. And this, because I don't consider the Cool World to be a Ralph Bakshi movie, I consider that to be something that he put his name on out of pity for the real director who was too embarrassed to put there, is Ralph Bakshi's last film, and that's Fire and Ice. It's solid. It's not. It's not his best, but listen, it's got Susan Tyrell, and and and, and, and I got to say, and Frank Frazetta's Deathbringer. Right. You know, and of course his work with Frazetta on this. Um, but but uh, Susan Tyrell actually was the narrator to Wizards, but she didn't take the credit for that, and so this was his his way of of. of uh, paying her back, and and uh, she's very good. The, the the animation is very good, but it is much more Frazetta style, so it's not exactly something you would expect from Bakshi. But that being said, still damn good. Yeah, well, the one that you mentioned, Wizard, is pure Von Bone style. Right, exactly. And this next one, fuck you, this movie is good because it has Lou Ferrigno throw a fucking bear into the sky. And it goes out and becomes <laughs> Ursa Major. Long live Luigi Cosi's Hercules. One of the most, what the fuck? I like this movie ever. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Lou Ferrigno, check. Sybil Danning, check. Fred Harris, check. William Berger, check. Bobby fucking Rhodes. Yeah. 
Yanni Garko. This movie is it, just insane fun. It, it, yeah, it is fun. There's no doubt. It's fun. It's stupid as fuck, but it is fun. And that that that's the best thing about it. Well, we're going to end with, uh, let's see, two films. That one's a sequel that you would be surprised is a sequel. And the other one has become a cult classic and the only really film to come out of SCTV. And that is Strange Brew. I've been trying to get Steve DeJohn that. On on the podcast, he uh, he yeah. wrote the screenplay to this. He he directed a number of films also. Um, but uh, this is fun, and and come on, you got Max von Sydow and fucking Paul Dooley in this. And guess who does a uh, a cameo as himself? Mel Blanc. You got it. <laughs> this is just one of those that. Is more fun than it has any right to be. Yep. Agreed. And next is a movie. Do you remember that film in the 70s about that one girl who becomes a mafia hitman? Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Young Warriors is supposed to be a sort of sequel to it, taking place in the same high school and really it's another dark depressing revenge film yeah I I only know of this film I've never seen it so I can't I I, I can't uh, uh, say anything about it oh it's good but it's just about as dark as uh, but not as dark as uh Central High. Mm-hmm. And to close okay. out the show, ah, we'll skip this until next week, but to close out the show is one of uh, me and Carl's favorite films that have really gotten forgotten by the masses. And why would a movie with Jack Thompson, Tom Conte, Ryuchi Sakamoto, David Bowie, be forgotten to the amount that it is. Let's not and forget the Takashi. Yeah, that's why I, I said Takashi Kitano. Okay, sorry. For his career, he was uh, Beat Takashi, and the other name, his uh, name was Kitano Katashi. Mm-hmm. Only movie you're going to get his full name in is uh, Battle Royal, which uh, the director of it did as a joke so he could get yep. his full name on the screen. And that film is Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. A very, very downbeat but great movie. And if you're expecting another war camp film, you're going to be highly disappointed. But if you were um, going expecting a movie of severe, severe gay overtones, you're going to be a happy little camper. Well, we're talking – okay, let me talk about this for a second. Uh, we're talking about a film 
by a Japanese director, Nagisa Oshima, uh, who gave us In the Realm of the Senses, which was the first film that was in New York that had, uh, um, that was a regular release that had actual uncensored sex in it. This is a guy that pushes envelopes. And and he pushed it hard. And it is a fantastic film. And we just lost Ryushi Sakamoto this year. Not only did did he star in this, but he did the score. And he's a fantastic musician. Uh and and, and we did a show uh actually I did a show myself, just by myself, on, on his music. It's it's a phenomenal film. And I went to see see it in the theater, and I was just blown away. And and for those of David, us that know this of it, may be one of the best David Bowie performances ever. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And 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 the other thing too is is as forgotten as this is by the general public, this is really lauded by the LGBTQ community, as it well should be. Yeah. Um, it's it's a phenomenal film. Phenomenal. Okay, with that, well, it's getting close to 11. And if we get Carl to bed late, he gets to be a grumpy little soldier. And I don't like hearing him. What? (laughs) We can finish this next week. And, and well, it'll have to be probably after I get back. Because yeah, I am after going you on get back. And what do you uh, have to look forward to when you get back? Uh, streamers. This is a preview. Uh, Revenge of the Ninja. Strange Invaders, which we'll really get deep into. Uh, yep. What movie has William Forster, Fred Williamson, and Joe Spinell and Woody Strode and Steve James? Wait till we get back and we'll tell you. Oh, absolutely. Then we, we, and, we've got a Douglas Trumbull film. We've got all sorts of uh, stuff. And we'll, we'll we got an art this all film up. by Jan Pierre Simon starring Christopher George, Linda Day George, Edward Prudhomme, <laughs> Paul L. Smith in his Don't Give a Fuck mode. Right. We even got uh, Tom Cruise's best film of the year. I thought we already well, had my that. Favorite. No, actually, my favorite Tom Cruise film of the year. Let's put it that way. And this is a weird movie year because we had two James Bond films. We've already went over one, and uh, we have another one coming up in October to December. Uh, Tiger yeah. Town 2 with uh, Roy Schreider. Mm-hmm. And a yep. movie, and this little movie made by this director, who because they screwed up the release of his film earlier this year, was at the very verge of quitting directing. The only thing that saves it is he wanted to see if he could do someone else's work besides his own personal work. But we'll get into that. And Vicky's Absolutely. favorite film of the year. Yep. 
Yep, and 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 we got we got the rat movie. Yeah, and we still got some horrible comedies to go through, and the worst film to go out on on one of my favorite, our favorite directors. Mm-hmm. One of the toughest films to get, two of the toughest films to get through, but they're fucking great. Agreed. Uh, Jackie Kong's other film, which is, you'll see. And the yeah. little film by Bob Clark, which is beloved to this day, but flopped like a motherfucking fish when it hit the theaters. Yep. And the best pirate we- film that none of you guys have ever seen, and I'll take a money bet on that. And some more surprises. Absolutely. We got a lot of surprises. So so thank you very much. Stephen, for doing this. I'm, I'm glad we're doing this finally. I'm sorry we have to do it in two segments, but it's what it is. It's, it's well, a loaded well, year. Every one of these big year things we've always had to do in two fucking segments. Even if we went True. three hours, I don't think we would have made it. No, I don't think so either. I don't think so either. All but, right, my yeah. friend. What do you think of 1983 so far? Oh, this is a hell of a year. It's a hell of a year, no question. Yeah, but the problem with 1983 is it had to follow 1982. Still a damn good year. Oh, yeah, it is. What? Maybe it's not 1982, but but it's 1983 and it does just fine. 1982 is the home run and this is the triple. Yeah, and we still haven't got to some of the year's best pictures yet. No, we haven't. Including Vicky's favorite film, and you know which one I'm talking about. Oh, hell yeah. I know exactly which one you're talking about. Yep. And with that, fairly well, bon voyage. Have a good trip. Don't get killed. And if anyone comes up with a gun and points at you and says, Steve says hello, well, take it as a personal <laughs> greeting for me. Okay, good. Good. But I'm All afraid right, this friend. is what song you'll be singing after that guy visits you. And it was a big hit back in 1983. So okay. here we go as a goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Good night. You can never know what it's like. You blood like a winter freeze, just like ice. And there's a cold and lonely light that shines from you. You will wander like the wreck you hide. Look.
Counted me out, thought I was sick and dead and about. Well, the Steve you knew and the Steve you feared. I'm back and I'm always going to be staying here. So goodbye, everybody. We'll see you well. And I'll see you until the day we all find out our eternal fate. Good night. Good night.